tu na vratima gde živi mesto imena mi piše sama na moj talenat za ljubav kao da je pala neka tama Okay, so we are back. Laura and I are back. Laura has um, taken some reverse sissification um, lessons, and you might notice a small change in her voice. Um, yeah, and we're back, you know. It's Laura on the pod. <laughs> and I've, I've de-sissified, and I've, yes. uh, you know, my voice has dropped. Uh-huh. And um, we're here today to talk about something that's very sissy. Yes, very sissy, very special. No, in all honesty, Lev is back on the pod and Laura sadly can't join yeah. us. Um, but we are here to talk about um, Serbian turbo folk uh, music and some of our, you know, some of these famous uh, Serbian pop divas, their relationships with one another and um, diva worship. And also their relationships to global politics. Yes. It's really a loaded topic. And I was really kind of caught off guard when you first sent this topic. I was really shocked. And I was also excited because some of my favorite Eurovision entries of all time have been people from Balkan countries. Um, Absolutely. Like this might be going completely off uh, track, but do you remember Maltiva by Maria Serifovic? She like won no, um, for Ser- she like won for Serbia in 2007 and she was yeah, like wild. this butch lesbian on stage like surrounded by like five femmes it was everything. No, I have to go back and like look at that. Yeah, I mean, I'm no stranger to Eurovision. Um I grew up watching it. I when I listen to a lot of this like Serbian music it really just reminds me of like dressing up and playing like uh, drinking games as a child with my family, um, watching Eurovision. I think it's, um, yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. And I think that is kind of a testament to like the actual sort of recognizable instrumentation that exists within this genre. And look, before we really dive in, I think it's important for us to just sort of like set the record straight. Like we are not authorities on the topic of Serbian music Serbian history, Serbian culture, the Balkan region. Um, we are mere investigative journalists, um, mm-hmm. uh, researchers, and trying honest- to learn. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you're coming here for expertise on this region, like I actually pity you. Yes. Um, yeah, like pick, <laughs> and pick your ass up and turn around and like. <laughs> Literally, yeah. But I also need to state a truth you know i'm turkish yes. and turkey is a part of the balkans you so know turkey People is a part forget, of the but it is right <laughs> yeah like a two percent <laughs> so i think like that gives me some type of authority sure you know? sure and yeah. um and i'm gonna take it and i have tangential tangential um association with um with the Bal- balkan region because my um boyfriend of the pod um his dad is serbian and and i guess that's kind of what piqued my interest because we were talking about setsa and a lot of this music together um when we went to an exhibition um so look we're not experts we don't have expertise but we are passionate about this we've we've done our we've done our homework we um understood the assignment and um (laughs) we're ready to um unpack and um completely and you know, learn 
<laughs> so, mm. so maybe we should, we should, I should first begin by explaining that, um, boyfriend of the pod and I, we went to this exhibition, um, at the, at Pompidou in Paris and, um, love, you know, Hitoshteya, of course, mm-hmm. um, love, you know, most, uh, where <laughs> all good art school kids do. Um, absolutely. We went to her exhibition at the Pompidou and there was this one particular video work that was called mission accomplished. Mission Accomplished Balenciage. And it was like a one hour long video um, by Hito Stel, um and two collaborators. I think I'm going to try to pronounce their names, but I'm going to, I'm going to botch them. Um, Georgi Gago, Gago Shidze and Miloš Trakilovic. Um, and uh, from what I remember, Miloš is uh, Bosnian and Giorgio is um, Georgian, I, I, if I remember correctly. And they spoke about um, Setsa and Yelena Karlausha, and that kind of was a genesis for um, yeah my research into the topic, me suggesting this to Lev, and us starting to talk about it. Um, yeah. Should totally. I... Totally. Should I... Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to introduce the kind of context yeah, that sure. Turbo Folk Music emerges from? Yeah, sure, totally, totally. So, um, so I'm just pulling this quote, but um, Setsa's husband, so Setsa is like this kind of, they call her the mother of Serbia. She's basically like um, this really big pop diva within Serbia. Um, her name is everywhere. People grow up listening to Setsa. She's She's, she's totally... Yeah, and really lasted the test of time. Yeah, she's had a long and career. all sorts of uh, PR challenges. Yes, to <laughs> say crisis the least. communication nightmares. Yes. Um, so <laughs> Setsa's husband was the infamous Arkin, who was a head of the militia gang, the Serb Volunteer Guards, and was also known as um, that that uh, kind of militia was known as Arkin's Tigers. Um, they perfected the combination of privatization, blackmail, and genocide during the Bosnian War. He was killed in the year 2000, and Karle Usha, um, who is another pop diva in Serbia, much lesser known, um, a little bit more on the fringe, I would say, um, her fiancé was murdered that same year by um, Arkin's gang. Um, so she claims that Setsa was somehow the instigator of this whole scheme to have her indisposed from the scene, from the pop industry. So already we see a connection between organized crime and um, and pop music, which I think is so fascinating. Yeah, completely. It, it was so compelling for me when I was reading this. And I don't know if you found this also in your research, but I also found out that at the time, Turbo Folk was really being pushed by this commercial television station called TV Pink. Okay. And TV Pink was directed by um, the wife of the president of Serbia at the time, um, I'm not sure like what the exact, you know, the exact kind of like political organization or like the name of the political institution was called, but the wife of um, the Serbian prime minister at the time, and she was like really pushing turbo pop. And that was like another really interesting connection with, you know, between the world of turbo pop and 
politics and specifically the Bosnian war and like the atrocities that went on during the Bosnian war, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, it's so funny to think about like all of these kind of like wives of, um, (laughs) you know, very important or, um, you know, yeah, these, these wives who have these kind of like vanity projects, excuse the term, um, where (laughs) these like pop (laughs) industries exist, um, in the shadow of like political agendas and militia and, you know, it's really also in their context, like in the shadow of ethnic cleansing, you know, genocide, warmongering, like these really very, very horrific crimes against humanity were, uh, almost on the flip side was this image of glamour and excess yes. and clubs and music right. and, you know, really everything we love. That's, uh, let's put that out there. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of it was something incredibly scary, yeah. which um, I thought was really interesting, especially, you know, these kind of connections. They may, they remind me of like when Beyonce performed at Gaddafi's New Year's Eve concert. Do you remember that? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is wild. <laughs> yeah. And also like, um, I don't know if while you were doing post-porn, you analyze it, but also like Katy Perry's part of me music video where she like turns oh into my God, the military. Yes. Like she turns into a military. She commander. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She gets so all like, like Milan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. Or like whenever, um, Lady Gaga poses next to the troops, we like send each other oh the photo. Oh my God. Like, my no. Pennsylvania guy. Um, I, <laughs> um, look, when you were talking about this, I, it, was, it really reminded me if I were to, if I were to like make a connection between, you know, um, the pop culture that we're a little bit more aware of um, for anyone listening, if anyone is following the current scandal with Erica Girardi and her um, criminal husband, Tom Girardi, I don't know if you know much about this left, but basically there was, you know, the same thing going on where this money was being like funneled from with it, you know, s- stolen, embezzled, um, for nefarious, like nefariously, and then funneled into like someone's <laughs> pop career. It's so interesting because there's some sort of relationship between, um, these, you know, powerful people creating like, like making us more docile and more like, uninformed and less engaged by like feeding us this like crap, you know what I mean? And just like stuffing our face with like shiny objects and like literally making us stupid. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? It works. Like I'm (laughs) no, it it works. Yes. (laughs) Like watching these videos that we're going to talk about later. I, um, Mm, I was mm. like, uh, you know, like my eyes bulging out of my face. Um, yes, yes. And also just on that point, like the reason why seeing these really clear links between, you know, these pop stars and politicians is, well, to me, it's almost like absurd and like sublime in a way where I'm seeing the Like, I feel like I'm seeing the wizard behind the curtain Yes, where we like know that there's some type of control happening. Like we know that pop culture is in some way indoctrinating us, controlling us, brainwashing us. Yes. But then when you see these two people together, you're like, oh my God, no, it's real. Like they're actually controlling us. Like they're actually, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's changing and shaping our minds. Sure. It's like an actual scheme. It's deliberate. Um, yeah, so there are pictures of um, 
of Arkin and sets it together that are quite shocking. I mean, um, you just have to Google Arkin to find images of him with, you know, weaponry, holding baby tigers. It's all like, um, what was that viral show when we were all in lockdown that was about the culture? Oh, Tiger King? Yeah, like tiger props and stuff. Yeah. Like animals for like the, (laughs) you know. um, As pets. And their wedding photos are really interesting. Did you see the wedding photos? Um, I did. I did. Yeah crazy um but if we if we were to speak more on turbo folk as an as a genre Mm -hmm. that is um that has originated from this region um turbo folk is like uh quoted as being a wicked mashup of synth beads and traditional folk elements on steroids it's a reflection of a society in deep crisis which started out in the wake of the socialist uh, yugoslavia's collapse as a celebration of freelance pimps high-ranking gang officials and supreme surging nationalism before it got completely normalized I think it's so interesting to think about this genre within, um, you know, the political sphere of Yugoslavia. Nicola has spoken to me a lot about how, um, obviously his mum lived in, um, Czechoslovakia, grew up within the Soviet Union, um, experienced the, um, you know, the, the pressures are the, the kind of controls and restrictions and repressions of that society. And, in, in that world, Serbia and Yugoslavia, or I could I should call it Yugoslavia, was like a promised land. It was like the way that people talk spoke about America in the past as like this land of freedom and excess. And um, and I think that the the music is reflective of that. It's demonstrative of that because it has this kind of like it has that kind of imagery of um, of the way that people speak. Uh, and racialize, um, speak about and racialize like hip hop and rap and the way that people talk about, um, you know, wealth and excess and, you know, the language around that to do with like American rap music and the style right. of that. It has that's, the same effect, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. And I guess like in a lot of my research, I was like focusing specifically on the period in like the nineties when like, um, I guess Yugoslavia was in its process of dissolution. Yeah. But from what you heard through Nicola was um, turbo pop like prominent before that time as well. Yeah. That's an interesting question that I'm not so sure about. I think, yeah, the turbo pop is a reaction to the, mm. like uh, the buildup towards the dissolution. And, um, and I think the, the effect of, uh, you know, socialism in, in, um, in experience, in, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of economy, in terms of like how people spend their money, how people, you know, like the, the imagery of, of this genre is very, um, very much built around wealth and money and excess and taste. And Mm. I think a lot of those things come into question regarding Eastern Europe a lot. People tend to like paint Eastern Europe with this one brush stroke. And I think everyone seems to look at it as, um, you know, the Soviet union and people like to like pile Yugoslavia into that. But I think there's sort of like different thing. There were different things going on, uh, culturally and, um, completely. 
Yeah, and I hope that's like implicit in this episode because I really do think like Eastern, Southeastern um, Europe and especially like areas that come under greater Europe, you know, extending yeah, all the way to Armenia marks. and the Caucasus, yeah, mm-hmm. in quotation marks, um, they're like so often forgotten from history yeah. and from um, and from culture and from places that are like worth understanding and worth um, you know, giving humanity to, it's, yeah. it's really upsetting. And, you know, I guess as I discovered Turbo Folk, like I really discovered like such a rich culture yeah. and, um, history, not the cultures of the countries, you know, producing, um, Turbo Folk, but more so Turbo Folk as a cultural artifact right. and entity. It was, right. um, it was great. Yeah. 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 I totally, I totally agree. I think, um, yeah, I hope that that comes across in the way that we're talking about it. Maybe should on that note we like start talking about the videos that we've yeah. bookmarked. Absolutely, yeah. I would love that. So we really got all the heavy stuff and the theory out of the way. <laughs> now is the fun part where we get to look at the outfits, look at the bad CGI, yes, exactly. the music, the yes. lyrics. <laughs> and um, I think we should really encourage people to like not just listen to us talk about it but like really go and listen like listen to the music like watch the no, videos yes yes look i know the target audience of vanity project <laughs> and i know they're gonna love these videos like I know. you actually need to go and listen to it listener absolutely absolutely um so should we start with uh yelena kavlaosha's uh Ludutsa? Yes, Ludutsa. Ludutsa. Um, so maybe I could start by like reading like a short lyric translation. Yes. Okay. Yes. She says, and your crazy woman loves you. I won't do anything to you. Don't be afraid. Nothing. Don't be afraid. Nothing. What you didn't do before. Um, so Lev, maybe you could set the scene of Ludutsa and the video and what you loved about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Look. Firstly, Charles, when you were reading that, I think people hearing the lyrics might have thought it was a ballad. This song is far from a ballad. This song is thumping techno. The music video was my favorite of all the you, you sent me. And you know the reason why I love I Spy Kids? <laughs> Spy Kids is my everything. It's full on, you know, noughties, uh 2K, what is it? 2K, Y2K. what's the thing? Y2K, bad CGI. Yes. It starts off with her riding on this yellow motorbike. She's <laughs> wearing this neoprene orange two-piece. It's insane. It's so good. All the men are shirtless and they're wearing like... The men uh, are hot. Yeah, incredibly, incredibly attractive men wearing like um, latex or like PVC yeah. little shorts. Yeah. And, you know, Matrix sunglasses. Yeah, it's very that. It's... Oh, it's so genius. There's this man. My favorite part is there's this man sitting behind like a, like a CGI, like hologram screen. And he's got his feet up on the desk. Oh my God. And his pectoral muscles are like shadowed. And then she's on the screen, but she's wearing like a black wig. So, um, Yelena is, um, let's, let's call a spade a spade. She is so like that waist and those boobs like her body alone is like something to write home about um she has such a balkan look to her and the way she's moving her body it's like i watched a lot of um turbo folk videos and like the way she moves her body is so characteristic of this style there's this very like particular um kind of chantreuse 
like genre within turbo folk i believe where like the the female artist is like kind of shaking her hips to the side and she's singing in this kind of um i would like to call it a vibrato but i think that has the wrong associations it's kind of like you know what i mean i'm gonna cut that out Mm -hmm. or i'm gonna bleep it out but it's there's this kind of like (laughs) wavering to the quality of their voices yeah which is characteristic yeah. of like traditional like balkan singing and that finds its way in more contemporary turbo folk yeah and maybe that's like i don't know if we mentioned this but like turbo folk as a genre is this kind of pushing of folk music yes into something that's a lot more electronic yes it's turbo like turbo charged they literally turbo charged that shit yes and you know the kind of drums that you might hear in a folk song in a balkan folk song are like turned into thumping like synths yes it's insane it's It's really crazy but it's like it's actually so good. good. Like I can't express mm-hmm. to people enough mm-hmm. how this is. We're not talking about this in an ironic sense. Like we're not. We're not actually like trying to be funny. Like this is actually good music. Like I will be no, listening. Yeah, yeah. I need the listeners to understand how serious we are when we're talking about this. This is very earnest. Um, <laughs> this is maybe the first time very earnest. <laughs> we're being earnest on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like. <laughs> But it is very good music. It really is. And it's, um, there's almost a sense of, uh, you know, it being ahead of our time. I really do think that, especially um, just to skip forward and maybe we can talk about, you know, stay on the Yelena. Can you say it from the top? (laughs) Yelena Kahleusha. Yeah, Yelena Kailiusha. Yes. A Pravo Ostaviena. Oh my god. U Pravo, U Pravo Ostaviena. This so song. Good. No, this song is like, and also I think the production on, on it, you know, um, was something else. It really was, because it's like not a, it's these insane hammering drums with uh-huh. like horns, uh-huh. and also uh, there's. You, throughout all of the songs, there's this clear indication that this song was made to play in a club. Yes. It was made to play in yes, a club. Right. We have to speak about that a little later because I have something to say about, you know, um, uh, the idea of the club and, like, making music for the club and who who are you making mm-hmm. music for. It's very pointed, but I think we should get to that oh, later. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, definitely. Tell me, what were some of your favourite moments from Upravo? Mm, like... As soon as I started listening to the song, there was this infectious, it had an infectious affect on me. I needed to listen to it again. I needed to hear the opening production over and over again. I love the way, and perhaps this is because um, I, well, you know, Turkish music isn't too far from this, but I love the way in this type of music where they can go from insane club to love song in like this really you know and when they're singing about love it's so um intense it's the deepest love the yeah. emotions are yeah. so there yeah and then we can go s- switch straight back into the club and i love that dynamism and going in and out of each of them absolutely i love that mm-hmm. absolutely yeah nicola and- nicola told me that um i i remember him vaguely like um hinting towards the fact that his mom would like his mum and him would like laugh at how like emo 
like the Serbian mm-hmm. music was. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's really funny because it's so sincere. Like it's so passionate. And like you said, this kind of like, like a love story, like the deepest emotions are expressed in like techno turbo folk music. Like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so, um, it's such a funny, like juxtaposition. Completely, completely. And, uh, that also like, you know, we're only talking about the song right now. Like we haven't even touched oh on the music god, video. The video. Like I need you to describe the music video. Oh my god, how do I describe it? So what I would begin with is there's like a hype man like screaming into a microphone at the beginning, and he describes <laughs> Yelena as um, the queen of disaster, which I think is really brilliant. Um, and she's standing in front of like this like, um, gosh, I don't know, JK in like lights, like up to the sky, like there's this big prop that she's standing in front of and she's wearing like, okay, let me just list the things that she's wearing because it's, it's that very like, it's a list. It's very much a list. It requires a list. (laughs) It requires a list. She's wearing, okay. She's wearing a mask, a black masquerade mask with a tall feather coming out of it, but she's wearing it above her face on her forehead. She is wearing a high ponytail peroxide blonde. Obviously she's got a full face of makeup. She is wearing latex gloves. She's wearing a bodysuit with um, motifs on it. She's also got fake tattoos, like, on her body um and she's wearing these knee-high boots somehow she's like covered in accessories but she's still naked which i think is such an art form um and she's basically reaching out to the camera it's very jade jolie covered in accessories but naked at the same time yes right it's very that um and the the music video has a number of different stills but there's a lot of really weird reference points there's like a ballet component there's a component where she looks like marilyn she's got this very like old hollywood updo and she's got this like beetle brooch on her hair there's another one where she's sitting on like a like a VIP section leather cushioned couch. And she's holding what I would imagine is like some sort of religious doctrine of sorts. And she's holding it to her chest and she's sort of like signaling, like, uh, I don't know, doing a salute. And there are these like sexy shirtless, like, um, like rough guys standing around her with their jeans really low. And they're like kind of being intimidating, but they've got fake tattoos Um, And the final shot, most significant of all, is um, this kind of gold lit um, shot of Yelena standing on a cross, like, like pretending to be Jesus motherfucking Christ. Like, yeah, like this. Is it called stigmata? Is that what it's stigmata? Yes. Gaga stigmata. stigmata, Stigmata Yelena stigmata. You know Gaga stigmata. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting. People call her the Lady Gaga of Serbia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember you sending me like her videos a couple months ago, and you saying this is the Lady Gaga of Serbia, and I did not forget. I did not forget. I absolutely didn't. Um, Also, one of a Lady Gaga connection. (laughs) You know. You know that there's a chained ballerina in this video. <gasps> She's chained. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yes, Yelena Karleusha. Karleusha. She invented the chained ballerina, <laughs> which later became the <laughs> inspiration for House Labs's uh, liquid eyeshadow product. Oh God! You know, you know, I'm not invested <laughs> in House Labs. You know, House Labs. I pretend no, I do not see. 
Like <laughs> literally switch off. I switch off the moment Lady Gaga starts promoting products. Um, Completely. That's so fascinating. Look, I think this is one for the books. This video is mm. loaded. It is somehow... The, the like it somehow epitomizes the way in which um, American pop music and the production behind American pop music and the visuals behind that have you know festered all over the world and how there's an influence there. I think it's definitely built on a on a model coming from America, but there's something else to it that I can't put my finger on. The religious imagery, the um, the set design, the kind of combination of um folk music with this techno genre there's something really 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 interesting about this absolutely completely no it's it's really i would say to the listeners if you want lev's pick it is this music video i'm saying the name again it is upravo ostavienna yeah I think that's how I you pronounce it. it. I, it's so hard. Ostavliena. Ostavliena, I think. Upravo Ostavliena. Um, but I don't know. I'm sure Nicola will correct me when he hears this. Um, mm. So should we talk about Setsa? Yes, let's talk about Setsa. So we're going to talk about Kreveno, um, which is a song from the year 2000. Um, this video is not so exciting, but there is one element that I really adore. I think there's this really beautiful blue light that's like washed over mm-hmm. her and there's this man mm-hmm. in this kind of bathhouse and I wanted to posit this to you because I think there's something there's something to the whole bathhouse idea but like right. Setsa is in a bath and she's got these diamante crystals like it's very you know um, Kennedy Davenport a la Chicken <laughs> Gate a la yes 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 you know yes, season the phoenix seven. that rise from the ashes exactly completely and also we just need to remind everybody that this sessa is the same sessa we were talking about earlier yes who married arkin yes the, the warlord the warlord so this is first <laughs> lady first lady straight. of the militia <laughs> First lady of the militia, Setsa, is um, in a bath covered in diamantes and there's this sexy, I mean sexy man, and there's all this steam. No, it's incredible. This steam, like, floating around him and she's, like, writhing around in the bath and she's singing, you know, pass... Okay, I'm trying to read the lyric translation, but it's really poorly translated, which I think is so sweet because this Serbian, like, ESL person clearly was like, no, people need to understand what's going on in this song. And they, like, went on Google, they, like, typed it, and there's a lot of issues with the translation, but I'm going to read it anyway. Pass with me, thought the red, what's hers, it will be mine. Tie your eyes and don't break. Pass with me, throughout the red. So I think she's talking about, like, like, going through a red light. Um, you know what I think about people like you, nice, faithful, but boring. If you don't like me, then you'll be sorry tomorrow. What? Instead of kissing me, you said I'm driving you home. Yeah, it was truly, um, the lyrics I didn't understand entirely. (laughs) Um, Completely disjointed from the imagery. I would, I would love for you to talk more about the bathhouse imagery and the connections being. Well, okay, look, we're going to, we're going to just dive into it then, but I think there is um, a pretty unmistakable um, relationship between 
pop divas and their, um, their, maybe I could say, uh, disciples, they're fags, they're fags, they're disciples. (laughs) And, um, clearly this music is made for a club and it's made for degenerate gay people at clubs in Belgrade, you know, um, I'll name them. And, uh, it's interesting that Setsa could be a part of, um, you know, mainstream culture, but also like, I don't want to call it the alt-right because I don't, I don't understand the, um, the position of the militia, but I would assume they're pretty conservative. I would assume that they're, um, they're not exactly gay friendly. I think, uh, speaking to Nicola about it, there's a lot of really complicated, um, elements to, uh, queerness in, in a Balkan context, because I think, from um, things that I've spoken to him about, Balkans are incredibly affectionate. It is not uncommon to see two men holding hands in the Balkan region. It is not uncommon to see two men kissing on the lips in the Balkan region because that's a greeting. But at the same time, there is this um, incredible uh, emphasis placed on masculinity and hypermasculinity, machoism within uh, Balkan culture. And, um, and that's why this kind of music is so fascinating because it, uh, it operates at the intersection of, um, all these contradictions that exist in Balkan society around, um, intimacy, uh, masculinity, sex, desire, um, and the bathhouse as a, as a, as a space for that, um, for that degeneracy, just like a club is um is really that the significance of that is not missed it's not lost on me when i watch this video yeah yeah no i'm it is a really interesting contradiction i and i'm you know when you're talking i'm instantly drawing parallels with turkish culture as well where it's the same where there is this insane uh kind of paradoxical upholding of a very macho masculine society but at the same time these social norms which largely in the west would be perceived as overly affectionate between men you know men link arms when they walk down the street you hug your male friend when you meet them yeah um you talk about your emotions to your male friends and it is interesting i i wonder though because there's when we listen to turbo folk currently from our current you know current context we immediately hear this something very very homosexual it sounds like gay music yeah um but i don't think they were intentionally doing that at the time i i really don't i think it's it's something that's come along with it as history has i guess progressed what do you think about that yeah i i totally see that i think um of course, I come from a position where I'm like, this music is made for me. This is the kind, if I like the music, then that means the music was made for me, but it's really not like that. Um, I do think that um, this kind of music was beloved by probably the masses, um, no matter where they sit on a, on a sort of political spectrum. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I can't even put my finger on it, but I wanted to put this thing to you that I was reading before um, that was a part of the Valencia Steyer um, uh, video work. But um, Milos, um, who is Bosnian, he was, uh, he included this kind of like 
um, propaganda poster from the um, from eighty nine that said proletarians of all countries unite, which is obviously a Marxist um, quote and idea synonymous with Marxism, socialism, all of these things in Yugoslavia. Um, in 2018, 19, 20, 2020, I'm not sure, um, at the first uh, Pride March in Sarajevo, which is the capital of Bosnia, there was a poster that said, um, oh, proletarians of all identities unite. And um, I think it's really interesting to think about the borders that exist um, based on identity and the borders that exist based on nation and how uh, we have this collapse of um, nation. And, and you can see it in Yugoslavia with, um, with the you know, dissolution of Yugoslavia. I wanted to mention this quote. And the banner makes clear that even if, in the meantime, nations have become maybe not exchanged but at least heavily supplemented by identities, one thing hasn't changed, namely that proletarians still exist. Identity is currently an opioid for the masses. Interesting. It is a free handout for people who have little else. But like a lot of seemingly free stuff in digital economies, it comes with a lot of toxic strings attached above all, the idea that you cannot change. Identities are a trap to keep people from their places and divide them. Um, really interesting in terms of how we interpret this music. Yeah, no, I do think it's relevant, especially in like, you know, uh, identity is the opioid of the masses. That's <laughs> a famous Marx quote, right? Right. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm fairly sure it's a famous Marx quote. I might be wrong. I'm open to being wrong, <laughs> but it is Marxist in its um, tendency. Yeah. But it's interesting to think, especially um, in this docu curated about uh, uh, Yelena and gay activism in the Balkans, mm -hmm. and that this gay activism emerges after the dissolution of Yugoslavia. Yeah. And also, I guess something. This isn't necessarily related to what I was just saying, but it is interesting because I think people, when they hear quotes like that, they assume that you know, gay sex or gay um, existence wasn't present in mm -hmm. places in the communist, um, uh, in the Soviet Union or yeah. anywhere where, you know, it's not formed as an identity. But I think the important distinction is it's turning into an identity, yeah. like the fact that it has become a part of right. our sociality and the way we interact with the world and with each other. And I don't think that would have been possible. And I don't think someone like Yelena, active, uh, I guess, being a gay or engaging in gay activism would have even been possible if that identification process, that process of turning into an identity ever happened. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's really the invention of identity. Um, and, and it's, I think it's just interesting to look at how that, um, how that idea of, you know, proletarians of all countries, how that is transformed in the present day to identities and how, um, you know, um, I don't, I don't mean to bring it up, but homonationalism and like, no, bring it up. I love, uh, you know, I like talking about homonationalism. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I guess the connection there is this identity has emerged 
Now, how do we make it useful yes. for the state? I think that's the fundamental right. idea there. How where do we make it marketable? I think for obviously, yeah, obviously for the Soviet Union, where the fundamental and for Marxist um, thinking, or at least traditional classic Marxist thinking, the fundamental identity connection point between the masses should be being a proletariat. That yes. is the fundamental connection point. But under the nation state, obviously we can see the way um, nationality and ethnicity are mobilized yes. into creating productive citizens. Yes. But then the question becomes, how do we make a fag a productive citizen? You know, <laughs> that is the question. And the answer is homo nationalism. Right. That's the answer, frankly. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, should we talk about the last video? Yeah, let's talk about the last video. Yeah, this is my favorite one, if I can be honest. Um, mm, it's by Setsa. Mm -hmm. It's called um, 39.2, um, uh, released in 2002. And this is one of the, like, really emo Setsa ones. And this is, I think, one of her biggest hits. Like, Nicola was um, singing along. Um, and while we were watching it, he translated the chorus where she says, 39.2, that's how hot I am. <laughs> she's she's talking about the temperature of her... Um, the temperature. You know, how she makes you feel inside when you look at her bulbous tits, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And this video is really, really great. She's, like, in a sort of Spy Kids train station. She's, like, waiting for the train, mm. then she's on the train, staring out the mirror, being all... staring out the window, being all, like you know, thoughtful and cognizant. And then um, there's this moment where the train comes into the station and it like goes so fast that she gets like tw twirled around. And then there's all these like pieces of fabric, paper flying in the air. And then she's on the train and she's climbing out the top of the roof and she stands on the top of the train and she's like, you know, she's epically, you know, on the train riding yes. into the distance. Yes, absolutely. She's yeah. like she's like that character from Game of Thrones on a dragon. You know, it's very that. Like, um, it's very triumphant. It is grand. I love the actual song. This one is like maybe my favorite in terms of the music. Um, yeah, what did you think of thirty nine point two? Yeah, I love the video. Obviously, it fits into my love category with the bad CGI. Yes. Um, I thought it was the most, like, symbolically loaded of yes. all of them. You know, the train, obviously, or not obviously, but the train <laughs> as a symbol of modernity. Yeah, right. Um, her riding on the train. I also read into the in future. my research moving into the future, exactly, and not just a regular train, but a bullet train. Yeah, right. Um, of True. all. Um, but what I thought was really interesting from my research, and I'm not sure when Arkin died, but apparently after Arkin's death, uh, Sessa kind of, she made her, her public image, was, she kind of disappeared for a little bit and was portrayed publicly as like this widow, this mourning mm. widow who's going to make like a slow and like safe entry back into the public, uh, into the public sphere. And I thought this video really captured that because in the music, it's not even, I mean, in the video, her outfits aren't even, um, you know, comparable to what she was wearing in the other one. She's totally. clearly wearing, um, clothes that could much easily be interpreted as maternal or, right. um, I guess, modest. Yeah, sure. So sure. I thought that was interesting. And I think also uh, the video, at least um, aesthetically as this 
uh, ode to her moving past Arkan's death, right. moving forward in time, Life. her life going forward, grief, exactly. Um, and obviously when she stands up at the end of the video on top of the train, it is the most triumphant thing that could possibly happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, you know, you put it within the context of, um, yeah, all of these, like, national um, feelings in in this turn-of-the-century period. And I'm sure that it really speaks to a lot of it, people's experiences with, uh, you know, the um, feelings of global... Like, the effects of globalization on Serbians and Balkans and how the world opens up at this time for everyone and it becomes, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Pro- promise of, of the future and like um, growth and prosperity and all of these feelings that are both personal and political um, at the same time. It's really like an anthem. It's very anthemic to me. Completely. And also on top of that, those feelings, I think the song being turbo folk in it of itself also, yeah you know, contributes to that. It felt very anthemic. And as you said, and uh, as you said, again, like deeply tied with personal and national um, anxieties, but hopes about the future of globalization, yeah. about modernity, yeah. um, or post-modernity maybe yeah. even. And how do you, how do you like honor the past and move into the future? Well, of course, with, uh, turbocharged folk music um, <laughs> and a sexy diva standing on a train. Um, I don't know. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. Exactly. It's, no, it makes sense. It's frankly brilliant, um, if, I'm, if mm-hmm. I can say so. Can we talk about pitting women against each other? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it because this is something that I think globally uh, we have in common. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is you know, this this really like uh, dissolves borders when it comes to pitting women against each other. I think we are one. We are one global nation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, if if I was to think of some women that have been pit against each other, I would be talking about you know. Madonna and Lady Gaga, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, Taylor Swift and Kanye West, um, just to name a few. Um, Yes, exactly. The one that always, and probably because I was on Stan Twitter at the time, I was so emotionally invested in it, but Katy Perry versus Lady Gaga. Interesting. Do you remember that in 2013? I remember when Art Pop came out and there was a more successful Katy Perry album. I mean, I just don't think I could ever put myself in the fan of a, in, sorry, put myself in the shoes of a, do they call themselves a kitty cat? Like, I don't understand, like, why does, <laughs> why does Katy Perry have fans? I can't really empathize with them. I can't really understand where they come from. No, I don't. Especially when they <laughs> legitimately claim that critically Katy Perry's music is better than Lady Gaga's. Yeah, let's not get into it too much, but um, <laughs> I, this is definitely, you know, not a safe space for kitty cats. Um, no, no, no. And maybe we were about to talk critically about pitting women against each other and how misogynistic it is. But yes, no, I'm I'm stooping to the low of hating on kitty cats and not liking Katy Perry's music. I am. No, I mean, look, we're not immune to the to the to the culture and um, and movement around turning women against each other and comparing them. I found this really amazing Facebook group chat. 
uh, Facebook group, sorry, um, where it's called Tetsa uh, Raznatovich versus Yelena Katlausha. And they put all of the, they superimpose all of these images of them together side by side. And in the icon, the uh, profile image, there is a CGI picture of Setsa and Yelena making out, like kissing. I think that speaks to the culture around pitting women against each other. It's the same, um, it's the same thing as like us wanting to like, you know, like see them throw each other up against a wall. Just like Lady Gaga said, I just wish Madonna would have just <laughs> thrown me up against a wall and kissed me, you know? Yeah, completely, completely. Um, like, I don't even know what they were arguing about, but I'm more fascinated by the fact that somehow they had to be pitted against each other. You know, I don't really know what the drama between them was. Well, yeah, exactly. Do you mean Madonna and Lady Gaga? No, I mean uh, Sessa and Yelena. Well, okay, the drama was real. The drama was really real. So, um, obviously, uh, Arkin and his tigers were um, a militia gang and... Yelena's husband was killed by that very same militia. So there's um, some pretty serious uh, tension between them, I would say, that runs a little deeper than, like, you know, the press interfering with two female artists and the way that they interact. Like, this is a real situation. Like, people died. People were, like, assassinated. You know, Arkin is in, was associated with, um, like, assassinations of politicians. I'll read a little bit of um, a statement that Yelena made in, I I believe it was 2020, maybe it was this year. Um, She refused to be a guest in a documentary about Setsa because uh, she's been talking, she said she's been talking publicly about her and the crimes she committed in cooperation with the biggest criminal clans from our area for the last two decades. Um, She said, they called me to participate in this documentary about Setsa and to testify that what I experienced from her and her, to testify, sorry, to testify about what I experienced from her and her team. I refuse, not because I have nothing to say, but because I have been talking about it publicly for 20 years. The fact that the people have only now opened their eyes and realized that who this woman is, is another topic. She is the greatest shame of the Serbian people because the people called her Serbian mother and she was everything, not just a mother. A close associate of murderers, kidnappers, war criminals, assassins of the prime minister. The list is scary. I had the guts to talk about it publicly for 20 years while the paid media satanized and banned me. They still ban me, but now they can only prolong it. Now that hers is over and she's irrelevant, I don't want to participate in that woman's painful fall, but she definitely deserved it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Setsa is clearly cancelled. She's cancelled. She's, she's, you know. Full stop. She's cancelled. Done. And I was um, asking you the question before we started recording, like, can we separate the art from the artist? Where do, are people separating right. the art from the artist in the Balkans? <laughs> I think probably they are. I think people are streaming um, Setsa in spite of her, um, you know, not so, not so uh, befitting associations. <laughs> Ah, I wonder, I wonder. I mean, 
I'm personally cancelling Setsar. I okay. love the music videos, but I'm on the cancel train because I really think Yelena really went in just there. I she think did. she really went in. She and she's not only talking about random drama, she's talking about murder. Yeah, she's not exactly malicious. talking about, like, um, you know, misgendering someone or, um, you know, something something on a more kind of Western scale of yeah. egregious crimes no, against humanity. No, Setsa didn't, you know, not put a food trigger warning before yeah, exactly. a picture of food on Instagram, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. She, um, she was associated with some pretty uh, nasty down and dirty business. But um, what's interesting, I think, is that Yelena has been kind of like, she's been on the fringe for a long time. Um, and when I spoke to a, uh, a Bosnian student that I had a little while ago and I brought these two up with her, she was like, oh yeah, Yelena is just the look. Um, Setsa has the voice. And I think there's this kind of national um, feeling about the two of them that Yelena is this, you know, uh, talentless, uh, hooker-esque bimbo with no brain and hair extensions. And she's just a look. She has no, she's got no value. She's not an artist. She's a, you know, she's a, she's an industry plant. She's just a bubblegum bimbo. You know what I mean? There's this, this idea about her, whereas there's this more kind of serious, meaningful um, connection to Setsa and her music that is about, you know, the ideas of grief, longing, all of these things that we were talking about with uh, the previous song. Um, and it's so interesting to think about how, like, people had it wrong and, like, um, Yelena was on the right side of history and people are starting to catch up in, in, um, in Serbia and starting to see things as they, as they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder what... Because I'm sure for the last 30 years since Setsa's involvement in that, I don't think Serbian people didn't know about it. Um, Like, I don't want to make any generalizations about it, but I would assume they would know, you know? I don't know. Especially if it, it like, like, became tied up with her public image. Yeah, I don't think it was, like, a private thing. I think the militia was very, like, um, they were, like, publicity whores. You know, there's, like, a lot of, like... It was very like heavily documented, and the we- the wedding was streamed like globally when they got married in the nineties, mm. I believe. Like there are like there was a lot of publicity around it. Like people knew who he was. I think in terms of morality and um, and yeah, these these ideas are constantly evolving with culture. Like if you if you look at you know Australian media, the media we were consuming, you know we were watching Chris Lilly when I was a kid. And that was just taken, you know, as, well, of course we're watching this. Of course this is funny to us. Of course this is a mm-hmm. part of, completely. you know, um, mass culture and a, a, a national sense of humor and um, a national sense of morality. Um, and, and that has since changed to the point to, you know, the pendulum has swung in the opposite direction in many ways. And I'm sure that's what's going on. In, in terms of these artists. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I have nothing to say on that, except I wonder if it is. I really do, because I guess 
perhaps from a Western perspective or at least someone who's like analyzed and learnt about what happened in the Balkans during the Balkan Wars in the 90s. I'm so, um, I'm kind of digesting the information that was given by the criminal tribunal uh, for the former Yugoslavia in the Hague. But I wonder on the ground in Serbia and in the Balkans, what the legacy of the conflict was and how that does impact their consumption, support or, uh, yeah, support or, um, I guess, non-support of these celebrities who are so prominent during that period. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to know. We really just don't know Mm -hmm. any, um, you know, we, we've never stepped foot in the Balkans. Well, okay, not the Balkans. Um, I've never stepped foot in the Balkans. I've never um, been to Serbia. I don't know any Serbians personally. I was speaking to a Serbian student um, a little while ago, and she was talking to me a lot about the, they called it a banana republic, um, which is how they describe their government and, like, uh, administration um, as a banana republic, which did which was lost on me to begin with, but she kind of explained it means that there's like, you know, this distrust in authority and a sense of like, there's like a sham government that like doesn't really do anything. They don't really serve any purpose. Like there's this sort of like a political feeling. I think I can't generalize, but from this one person and, and how she generalized, um, Serbia. So it's so complex. It's so layered. It's so complex. Uh, I'm mostly interested in the relationship between, you know, war profiteering, crime, weapons, cult, rule of force and violence and turbo folk music and how the two kind of how, you know, this uh, vulgar, almost pornographic, kitsch, glorifying crime, moral corruption, nationalist xenophobia, how that is like um, filtered through this music that, is kind of a a um, collapse of the border between like tradition and modernity in terms of sound and instrumentation and um, folk music, history, culture, heritage, ancestry, as well as the future, technology, globalization, um, you know, Western Westernization, um, Hollywood, pop music, the Britney Spears model, all of these things like um, are put in a blender, I think. And like what you get is like this really interesting clusterfuck of ideas and feelings and, um, and sometimes really good music, you know? Totally. And that's turbo folk. (laughs) And that's turbo (laughs) folks. (laughs) Yeah, literally. That's turbo Um, folks. You know, like that's all folks. We've been recording for an hour. Like, do we finish? Well, look, don't we want to talk about Kalilusha and gay activism in the Balkans? No, I really do. I really do. Yeah. I found this really good, um, (laughs) this really good. Listeners keep walking. Walk another lap around the block. (laughs) Yeah. Walk another lap around your like local government area um, because Literally, you thought we were done. Like you haven't seen the last of us. <laughs> we're here to talk about um, about uh, queerness in the in the Balkans. Um, I found this really great uh, article called "Queer as Turbo Folk," which I think is really funny. Um, really good. And uh, look, what I wanted to talk about is there's this really interesting. Um, 
uh, way of framing uh, this music as a kind of um, bridge between, um, you know, the masses and changing public opinion around really subversive ideas and how this music and Carla Usha and her message can um, bring Serbia into a into the 21st century in terms of these ideas and, you know, towards the EU. There's this kind of, like, end goal, I think, of, uh, you know, joining the EU and being a part of Europe in, in, a, in a real way, which, you know, doesn't come with its own, which is problematic in its own way. Um, but uh, there's this video that she had. Um, let me find the name of it. It's called Casino, I believe. And she, uh, can I, can I read you the lyrics of Casino? Cause I think it's really loaded. Please. Um, she says, you sit alone at a roulette table holding a dry martini in your hand. And already I can tell I've never seen a guy like this before. Sexy, so attractive, so elegant, blue blood, the best foreign education. Ding, ding, ding. That's what we're talking about. Um, charming and gallant black tuxedo. I like the way you're talking. I like the way you're smoking irresistible, like 007. And thus, I watch him and think, make me pregnant with a son here under the casino lights. He will be a lucky child. Everyone will see him. Everyone will envy him. He will be a millionaire. He will be fatal to women, just as you are to me. She's talking about a steamy, no strings, sex interaction with a total stranger who is exotic and foreign. He's a stud. It's a public setting. She's talking about public sex, um, unprotected. She wants to become a mother, but not just a mother to this man. She wants to have an illegitimate child. And um, I think a lot of people interpret this as this like way of um, reconceptualizing desire, like this sexual liberation, um, uh, it's very taboo in 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 this cultural setting, and the idea of yeah, this fantasy liaison. Um, it's it's perfect for this dance floor of degenerates who want to feel seen and heard by the subversiveness of their existence in uh, Balkan culture and in Serbia, and for them to have you know public dance floor sex with each other. Um, under bright lights uh, to turbo folk music with Carla Usha singing that she wants, like, give me your illegitimate son. Like, there's something special about that. Completely. And it's so provocative that I don't even think we'd hear a song like this from popular Western music either. Like, this is a very provocative statement to make that you want a bastard child, you know? Um, but I really like the idea of it being danced to people are jumping up and down, sweaty, the lights are flashing, yes. it's in the club. It is really, really hot. And also it reminds me, me and Laura, uh, who <laughs> is not on the pod clearly <laughs> for some reason, I have to remind people I'm not Laura, but, um, our fallen angel. Uh, yeah, our fallen angel, uh, 
have been watching. Well, I've been watching the L word oh, after she fuck. has been talking about the L word. And right now, Laura is laughing at the fact that we have another <laughs> podcast episode that is mentioning the L word. Like, I cannot yeah. escape the L word, no matter how hard I try. No, 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 you can't. You can't. But there's this uh, in season two, I believe. There's this really interesting reframing of desire as well, where one of the characters, Tina, she's pregnant, but she has on screen a lot of lesbian pregnant sex. Wow. And and watching it, I was like, wow, this is something that is not in our vocabulary of desire mm-hmm. at all. Like, we don't... Pregnant sex on its own, we really, as a culture, as a society, do not talk about, and we certainly don't condone. Right. Um, b- and lesbian pregnant sex is a whole other thing. Whole other and I feel like wanting to give birth to a child that you uh, don't have a relationship to or you're not married to the father of is the same thing where there's this really interesting reshape, reshaping and of desire and in addition to our vocabulary of desire. Vocabulary of desire. I love the term that you've coined. Um, yeah, it's really, really fascinating because it's, um, it's naughty. Like it's actually naughty to um, want to have public sex in a casino and get pregnant and have like this stranger, this like exotic foreign, Completely. Educa- foreign educated man, like, you know, come inside and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just funny to me. Like, I think, uh, yeah, there was this really funny quote where, um, Kylie Usher basically described that like her hairdresser and her stylist and her makeup artist were gay. And if gay, if those gay people exist and they're around us, then we have to get used to the fact that they're citizens like anybody else. Um, I love Completely. that form of activism. It's like, you know, like they exist. So, so we should accept them because they exist. Yeah. (laughs) It's very simple. I actually think, yeah, no, I like the simplicity of it. I was thinking about this um, a couple of weeks ago where I was just kind of like, oh my God, like gay people are everywhere, but also gay people find a way to find each other. Uh And I remember, you know, as a, as a baby gay. Well, they use their gay dust, don't they? They, of course, the gaydar, um, it's very accurate, but I remember as a baby gay always being like, you know, there's no one else like me. Like, you know, I'm the only one like me. And then I think, you know, especially talking to so many different people, obviously, as you grow older, you really realize like, wow, we are everywhere. Like these motherfuckers are everywhere. And not only are they everywhere, they will find each other. Like they will, there is a way that they do. Um, just also on Yelena Kaliusha and gay people. Can I read this quote? And I really need us to talk about it because I was like, this quote is so eye roll. But um, the quote goes, dressed and made up. So they're talking about um, uh, one of Kylie Yusha's artworks and the screenshot, Charles, that you put is her like saluting with a big <laughs> flower on her head in front of it's the so rainbow brilliant. flag. We're going to attach it as like <laughs> the, a see also image because it's yes, so funny. Yes. Like it's actually like, funny like it's very homo nationalism because she's doing a salute um yeah and it's very like pride flag like um queerness which i think is like a whole genre in and of itself totally totally but the quote goes and it's a very outdated in terminology quote i'm just putting that out there to everybody dressed and made up so that she imitated the look of male Tisler, yes. she often performed on the stage or in videos surrounded by other male gay-marked or Tisler bodies. Yes. And um, just like on her 
imitating this look, I felt like there was a fundamental kind of misreading of like Eastern European glamour. Yes. And I was like, again, thinking from a Turkish perspective where I was like, think, you know, in at least in Turkish pop music and the sense I'm getting from Eastern European pop music is the same where there isn't the understated or the paired back pop icon, the pop diva. There isn't like, all Turkish pop divas, they are so over the top. They are camp. They're wearing all the makeup. Yes, BBL. You know, the outfits are a whole BBL, whole production. And I think for some reason, this writer who I also, you know, I, I, I uh, did some research on who's writing from a, from the Netherlands about, um, about the Balkans was like had this fundamental misreading of it where I think perhaps because in the West, um, a lot of, you know, our pop stars, they are these paired back girl next door type figures, especially pop music that's circulating on the daily, the top 40, the Dua Lipa uh, type characters. Um, and I just thought that was a fundamental misreading and I thought it actually highlighted an interesting difference between, um, pop music between, uh, in different places. Totally, totally. Yeah, and the way in which, like, um, you know, female bodies are, like, constantly scrutinized and put through all these lenses. And I think the idea, you know, the ideal of um, beauty is different in this region. And um, the, uh, you know, it's very important that I think everyone who's still listening, God, if anyone is, um, to go on Yelena's Instagram because um, it's a really interesting... uh, in the present day, she's, she, you know, she's metamorphosized into a doll, like an actual doll. And, um, and I think that's really, really fascinating. And yeah, I'm interested in your, in your, uh, your interpretation of this misreading. I, I think, um, I was watching this video before we called, called, uh, Slatka Mala and, um, it's really fun. And she's dancing around with all these, I would say I would, I, I sheepishly would describe these people as drag queens, but potentially they're trans women. Um, but she's, yeah, she's dressed up in all these funny costumes. And no, I watched it as well. It's so good. It's so good. It's so and she's good. like on a record. Yeah. Like there's like this shot from like above where she's like twirling around mm-hmm. on a record and she's like writhing around. It's just very funny. Like, all right. So I think we've probably exhausted everything that we have to say about this topic. Um, we encourage everyone to listen to, uh, your local support, local turbo folk artists. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes. Expand your horizons as we've said. And thank you also Lev, for being a guest on our pod. It's always a pleasure. Um, I know, uh, Laura and I are, um, proud to, uh, be in the presence of such, um, articulation and greatness. And, um, you really help, oh my God. You really help me to decolonize my mind and, um, you know, that is so sweet. It's my honor to be on vanity project and thank you for platforming me. I appreciate <laughs> it. Now it's my time to step off the platform. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who's standing on the, who's stepping onto the platform? Yelena Kalausha. Is she, is she gonna? <laughs> you guys should get her as a guest. I think that would be really organized. So hot. Can you imagine? Um, she's not, she speaks yeah. English. I, I'm pretty sure I, I heard her speaking in English in one of her videos. Love. Um, 
yeah, I mean, look, where do we go from here? I think we buy tickets to um, Yelena's next uh, concert uh, in summer of 2022 when you're going to come and um, visit me in the Northern Hemisphere. And, um, yeah, look, I'm going to wear my uh, E-Unified T-shirt. You're going to wear your EU pasties. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and we're gonna go completely turbo. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna like get turbo, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, well, why don't we seal it with a loving kiss? Yeah, seal it with a loving kiss. And ciao, chat. Aya, ciao, chat. Bye.